Welcome to the Kitchen Sink Meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Starting in July 2021, the meeting will be hybrid. You will still be able to attend the meeting via Zoom. Please go to the Los Angeles Intergroup's webpage at oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. <laughs> Bear with me. Um, Candice, compulsive overeater, restrictor, exercise bulimic, um, grateful to be in this program. Uh, so grateful. Hi. Hi, Ellie. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cross paths, but it's so nice to see people I know um, and from all over, all stages of my being in this program. I've been in OA since 2015. I've been abstinent for five years this last January, so um, keeping it, um, oh good, yeah, it says this meeting has been recorded. Yeah, we got it. We're all good for that. Um, so, you know, um, I want to say God willing, I'll still be abstinent, but really it's a, a lot about my work and my staying in this, in this program that'll keep me abstinent to my sixth year. I remember sitting in a room two years ago and this women's meeting and someone said they had five years of abstinence or maybe it was a requirement to be of service and me looking towards, I think Rebecca probably, being like, oh, I can't wait to have five years in program. Um, and the people next to me giggled and they're like, okay, but one day at a time, just one day at a time. And I'm so grateful um, for every one day at a time but I'm still really excited to have as much recovery as some of the people I've met in this program. Um, my, this program has changed my life, and I feel like I've grown up. Uh, I feel like all the years before I came to program, I was just a toddler um, in a grown-up body, trying to fit in a grown-up world. But in um, OA, I feel like I've become, I'm, I am becoming, and um, I like the world so much better in recovery than I did before. So um, hopefully um, that helps any newcomers to stay on the meeting and decide that this was a good thing to do with their Saturday. Um, if not, please keep coming back. And if you don't hear anything that resonates with you, it's totally okay. Just go to different meetings and um, you will hear something I guarantee it. Uh, and I love in other programs, they say, if you don't, we will gladly refund your misery. But I, I, I don't, I think, just keep coming back. So that's my thing for the newcomers and um, all of us in between because life is challenging. I, um, I grew up thinking that if I could just meet everyone's expectations, um, life would not be challenging. I, um, Grew up in the Pacific Northwest in a black family in, um, who were with adults who were raised like post-slavery, post-civil rights movement, and very much with a mindset of you got to do things to keep yourself safe. And as a woman also, you have to do things to keep yourself safe. And for them, that meant passing down to me that you have to be small and you have to be quiet and you have to be um, take care of other people, and um, as no matter what isms or obias are being thrown at you, or no matter how other people may abuse, may abuse you, um, 
physically, emotionally, sexually, you have to hold it together and be perfect and show up perfect or as perfect as possible. And for me, perfect was what I saw on television also. Um, certain sitcoms or certain families that didn't look like mine, but uh, were just sort of like the pinnacle ideal of what a black family should be, which we've all come now to find out that that's not real at all, and those actors were not real at all. Mind-blowing. Um, learned so much in this program. Um, but that's what it was for me. It's like, I need to look like TV. My life needs to look like TV. My body needs to look like the women in magazines. Um, and actually having that reinforced by my own family members who were also very much in a disease of uh, be perfect. So what that looked like was being very kind and nice and pretty to other people, other individuals in my family trying to control their bodies as well. I had a mother who'd wake up at 5.30 in the morning to work out, um, would eat very little during the day, um, but then was just like lived off of sugar. Um, getting lots of praise when I wasn't eating very much, um, but also being told like you should be eating. It was just a very confusing relationship with food. Um, and even though we looked differently than everyone else out in culture, to me, all the ideals they were telling us, telling me that I should look like, we didn't look like that. Nobody in my family looked like that. We had very curvy, larger women, um, and men who just seemed angry and powerful. Um, but it was still something to work towards. I. Uh, and that is what's sort of ingrained in my head. And that drives my disease of perfectionism and uh, wanting to be small and quiet and loved and cutting my nose off despite my face to be whatever you need me to be. And so that looks like, it looks like my parents asking me if I want to be on, slim, uh, I'm sorry, my parents asking me if I want to be on a commercial diet program at age 11 because they were on a commercial diet program and joining my mom in her early morning work, work, workouts and missing out on making real connections with people and finding my authentic self because I was so concerned with what you want me to be. And for me, that manifested in either eating a lot to feel better or not eating very much and working out a lot to try to look smaller. I'm 5'11". I am... Now, I'm, my bones are wide set. Okay, <laughs> um, I've dark skin. I've got thick, dense hair, um, and so it's just a lifetime of trying to be not those things because those things were not. Um, no one else looked like that in my family. No one else looked like that in my community. Um, in my pivotal preteen years, we moved to a predominantly white community, a white and Asian community. So everyone was lighter and or smaller just by default of their own culture. Um, and so, and I was the tall one who just stood out like sore thumb. Um, and being different feels weird. And being reinforced and told you're different feels really weird. And you know what really helped that? Food. Food felt good. Food and television and books felt really, really good. 
and so I could lose myself in food and television and books and what you wanted me to be. Um, and I did that for way too long. I did that all the way to my late 20s. Like I still I carried the mindset of what worked for me in elementary school into my adulthood. And it was hateful. Um, I was successful. I was successful in all the ways we're supposed to be successful. I did well in school. I was nice, so people liked me. Um, I got married, and I got a graduate degree, and I got a job, and I joined another commercial weight loss program, and lost a lot of weight, and I still hated myself. Hated every part of myself. Um, because the outtaking and, and I really thought if I could fix all the outside stuff and sometimes this, sometimes I still think this if I can fix all of the outside stuff if I can wear all the right clothes if I can put my hair in the right way if I can put on the makeup I will be safe and loved and you know what doesn't matter any of those things but I forget that and I joined OA, I followed a friend in, a friend who I also went to this commercial weight loss program with, and she mentioned she had a sponsor, and they were working on her food, and I asked her, will this program help me to stop hating myself? And she said, give it a try. <laughs> so I said, why not? And at this time, I had already been working in um, the people program for friends and families of people who are alcoholics. So I had been trying to work that program. You know what wasn't working for me at that time? That program. Because there would be like these 10 minute breaks where we could have snacks. And you know what? So me and the snacks, plus the fact that like I feel so different from everyone else because I'm still in this place of I don't look like you. My family disease of alcoholism didn't feel the same. And at the time, I was in denial. I was in a lot of denial about at the time. And so I couldn't make that connection um, because I, I was here. I, I, so I'm familiar with the idea that you have a higher power, and that higher power wants to take care of you. But it wasn't until I got into OA, and it wasn't until I heard this community of people share their stories so vulnerably um, that it started to make sense that I, the first things I heard in three meetings, three very separate meetings, were three very different stories about how the speaker had experienced some sort of trauma or sexual abuse and being in this program, they learned to live and they learned to grow. I don't wanna say past that, but it was really just the first time I'm hearing other people share so vulnerably, vulnerably something that I had gone through and to see that they had um, were happy, joyous, and free. And they weren't happy, joyous, and free all the time because we aren't happy, joyous, and free as human beings all the time. But that they could walk and share and exist in the world with their shoulders down and their heart open and had let go of food behaviors that they used to help them survive. 
and my mind was blown. Um, being in this room was the first time I heard men share about how their disease and their behaviors, the root of their behaviors with food and body, where in coming from a household raised with mostly women and men who had spent time in and out of jail and in a culture where on TV, like, totally brainwashed into believing in nice and shining armor and that men have it very well and they, they shouldn't have feelings. But coming into meetings and hearing men with feelings and knowing that some of them are as obsessed with their body as I am with my body, mind-blowing. Um, it, it connected me, these rooms and the community in these rooms connected me to the fact that we could have all these feelings and that we don't have to, I don't know, it's not going to kill us, I guess. Like you all, I see the same face. I've seen a lot of you over the, over the last five years and we're all still standing. Mm-hmm. So it's just given me a lot of hope. And um, by continuing, the only thing I did was I just kept coming back to meetings. Um, my first couple of years in program, um, I still very much have my shoulders at my ears and really still trying to feel like oh my gosh what's going on the world still felt very rough and sharp edged and I would stare at people's shoes because if, like I, I, again I'm tall I'm wide set bones I'm likely never to be able to fit into your clothes but if I could get the right shoes maybe we could be on the same I don't know I, I guess also shoes because I'm looking down and I've noticed over these last few years, I've stopped noticing shoes because I can stand with my head up. And I've, I've gotten that from this program. Um, I, my abstinence currently is that I don't diet. I don't, don't over-exercise. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I don't diet in any way. I don't over-exercise. There are foods I don't eat. But because I have an allergy to them, um, and that was different from where I started. I was trying to make everyone else's food plan fit with me, and it took me a long time to let go of dieting as a as a way of a, a way of living. That had been my like restricting my food had been my life for a long time. So I've I've tried different things in this program to get some um, neutrality with food. And what's really, really worked is working with my sponsor. Um, She's the third sponsor I've had. And then also time and working the steps. And somewhere along the way, I fell in love with the big book. And it was, talk about a group of people who are so different from me. I was in Oh, thank you. Um, but it worked for them. If they could go through World War II and not drink, I think that I can just have like the faith that I can survive this day without um, with with eating all three of my meals. I can survive this day without going to the gym. Um, and that's still a struggle, but something I really believe in. Um, it's also the big book was 
the big book was where I realized I was addicted to other people's approval. And that helped that other program work because before it didn't make sense. Before it just felt like, well, society tells me to be this way, but this program radically tells me not to be this way. But, but knowing that I'm addicted to a power outside of myself was really helpful. And it's been helpful in helping me to create a relationship with a power that's higher than me. And that's been helpful. Um, but really, at the root of my program, I just, I have to just keep coming back. Like, I work my steps. Sometimes I make my calls. Um, mostly when I get desperate is when I reach out. But I just keep coming back to the rooms, as uncomfortable as it can be. I just keep coming back because your stories help me. And this connection helps me. Um, I need to see, see the same faces. I need to hear the same stories because I forget. And I, um, I need these things. I need all of you because it helps me to feel less alone, uh, especially the part that we are individuals from different walks of life who share a commonality. And when I can hear, I connect so deeply with people's stories along the way and it, it just makes me feel tremendously less alone like you'll hear you're not alone and for many years that sounded like mah, 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 mah. <laughs> but then I started showing up and like going through really deep things in life like my marriage falling apart and I got a new job and I didn't pass a test like I stopped being perfect because the world was like you're not going to be perfect because we're not going to let that happen and I shared and the rooms rallied around me and they're like, no, I've been through that. I've been through that. I've been through that. And I'm still alive. And we're, I'm still great. And I needed that so much. And that's what you can find here. Uh, so for, for anyone who's like, oh, this doesn't work for me. Or just keep coming back. Stay for the miracle. Just, just stay for the miracle. The promises do come true. They, then they do come true slowly. <laughs> oh but they do they're not big like there's no burning bush of promises they're little ones they're little ones and you'll see them and, and it's amazing this program is so great I look forward to being here every day for the rest of my life because I need you all and um, thanks now is the question section <laughs> if you have so all the other stuff I read about the questions still applies. Um, but if you have a question and are in person, raise your hand. If you are on Zoom, type your question in the chat and a tech host will read it out to the group and speaker. We will alternate between in-person and online questions and then the speaker will repeat the question at, um, before answering. Are there any questions? Yes. Can you talk about what your relationship with uh, higher power was before coming to the program and did that change and what's it like now? So the question was, I was asked to talk about what my relationship with the higher power was before coming into the program and what it's like now if it's changed. And it has. <laughs> um, I... I, I, I would never, I, my family, we were searchers for a higher power, so I've been to very different types of churches growing up. So I had deeply in me that 
okay, there should be a higher power. There is this thing called God. Um, I had no relationship with it. I felt almost abandoned by it. I and um, that it that I really did feel like, well, why could my higher power care about me or what's going on when there are so many other things happening in the world? And so it was really my responsibility to try to figure out how to move through this world and try to control things as much as possible. Um, again, by having like the perfect weight, by getting the perfect grades, the perfect job, things would all work out. And by the time I made it to program, oh, I had all those things, but everything was falling apart. And plus I had very kind people in my ear telling me, your higher power will take care of you, which to me in this other program sounded like, you're going to have to leave your husband for your higher power to take care of you. You're going to have to lose a lot of weight for your higher power to take care of you. When I came to program, I would hear this, these great speakers who would share about how things had gone terribly wrong. And I was like, whoa. I was raised that you don't talk about things that are going hard in your life. That is between you and God, no matter whether or not you feel abandoned or carried, like no matter what's going on there. Um, and I would need their, I would take what they said got them through, um, and try to apply it to my life. And that's sort of slowly how I developed a relationship with a higher power. Um, for example, I heard a speaker share that they asked their higher power to go into a room before them, before they entered, um, that room, especially when it came to matters of work or other people. And so I started to do that, which forced me to stop and connect my higher power, but it also forced me to breathe and ground myself. And so I would, I would do that, and lo and behold, when I'd walk into the situation, and I'd have to do it like 12 times a day, 15 times a day, um, to continue to keep moving forward. And that um, not only caused me to pause and breathe, but it really did develop in me the fact that, oh, this is good. This is this is really good. You you can do this. There is something there that that you didn't fall. Um, and so I slowly have started. I slowly started making a connection with my higher power every single time I'm stuck in the day. Um, taking that chance just to say you you know help or this hurts. I find talking out loud it doesn't it doesn't have to be like a prayer it can just mean being like oh my god do you hear that do you hear that what i'm thinking do you hear that what i'm saying um it helps me to regulate and be more centered and i feel like i'm i i'm also building more of those patterns of me like i'm not flat out like no disasters have happened so there must be something else bigger happening for a long time my higher power was the room because I needed to come here and hear how other people connected with their higher power. Which was really helpful to divorce me from my thinking of connecting with my higher power had to be a very rigid way. It had to be certain prayers. It had to look a certain way. It had to be a certain time. Um, and those are things I didn't, I could never do perfectly. But hearing all of you share about your higher power, how higher power for some of you was the, was the ocean. Because try to go out there and make that stop. And I was like, ooh, that's true. Or the fact that, like, the sun rises every morning. Or uh, a fellow shared about how she prays on the overpass every morning. Um, I just needed to hear those things. 
and try those out, and it started to become true for me. And so now I do really feel like I have enough proof that not only has my higher power not dropped me, but there is something bigger than me, um, and that I will continue to be okay, and that's been really helpful. Mm -hmm. That's been been really helpful. So a question in the chat. How did you bring the steps and your higher power into your marriage? Ooh, good question. So the question was, how did I bring the steps and my higher power into my marriage? Ooh. <laughs> um, that is hard. That is very hard. Um, and honestly, I had to do it through using the tools, the steps being one of the tools. Um, and the, the tool of outreach also. Um, it's again one of those things and outside help um, my, my, I'm really grateful my husband is also in 12 step program and um, he is a gracious and generous and kind person uh, but that still meant that I came to meetings and I had to share about what was going on I came to meetings I've been in women's meetings where I was sharing about how things were falling apart and that was a really helpful tool because then I was also using the other tools of like prayer and meditation and really knowing that I am and when talking to other people being reminded that I am powerless and I don't have control over the future or the outcome Um, I don't have control over another person as much as I don't have other person's behaviors as much as I don't have control over how food is going to show up on my body or not show up on my body. Um, and so continuing to just go through steps one, two, and three. Um, also that, yeah, one, two, and three, all the time. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, and 11, because 11 is that conscious contact. Um, I do a 10 step every night with my, my sponsor and being able to turn over um, my, my pain and feelings was really helpful what also was really helpful is again going back to the the, I don't know if it's a tradition it probably is a tradition in regards to that um, the the consciousness of the higher power in our group um, having to turn to that tradition a lot, having to turn to tradition 12 where it is principles before personalities um, helps a lot and I have friends and programs by not doing it alone um, I have friends in program who are constantly reminding me of that as well uh, and I think just remaining in the steps uh, steps 1, 2, 3 steps 10, looking at hey what did I do that day where I might need to make an amends um, but not doing any of this alone at all uh, that that been the most helpful part and that, that includes the sharing with others when my feelings want to lead me to over-exercise or to under-eat as well. Uh, and bring that not only to my higher power, but sometimes the first place I would bring it to is a friend and program, and that would be a way of bringing it to my higher power as well. Because uh, when I talk to fellows, they tend not to steer me wrong. Um, and so, yes, thank you. <laughs> I hope that helps. Yes? How does it feel not to be perfect? Oh, the question was, how does it feel not to be perfect? There's a little bit of relief, just a little bit of relief, 
um, just a little bit of relief because it gives me more flexibility and movement. Um, I, 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 I do find comfort in structure and rules, but I also wonder if I find comfort in structure and rules because when I fail at them, I get to then beat myself up about it. Mm. I'm pretty sure it's that one. Um, <laughs> because it's like, why am I so, like, I don't do things perfectly or right. And like, I, I, I'm in academia, so I know that even though rubrics are supposed to be a structure, they're still subjective. So it's like, meh, there are no rules. Nothing matters. It's all fake. So why not just lean into just doing the best I can and um, being surrounded by people who are like Team Candace, Team Love, Team Higher Power. And it feels a lot better. It really does. And what even feels better is that when I'm not perfect and I do get into a shame spiral about it, I can go to the, I can go to other people and they're like, I hear that. You're okay. I feel the same way too. So I don't have to be alone in my imperfection. I think that's the big thing. I don't have to be alone in it. And it feels really nice. <laughs> Great question. All right. Next question is, how did you start your abstinence if the restricting thoughts were strong and it's all you knew? I have not started my abstinence yet because I can't process eating three meals a day. Woo! So the question is, should I repeat that one? I'll repeat it because that's the rules. The question is, um, how did I start my abstinence, especially if the restricting feelings are real strong, and that was all I knew? Oh, goodness. It took me a long time to dump my weight loss program while being in program, this program. So please have some grace for yourself if you are still struggling with those restrictive thoughts um, and those restrictive behaviors. I just kept coming back. I worked, I did work with a sponsor where my abstinence was just, you have to have three meals a day no matter what. And I did that by, again, it sounds so silly to say this, but I just kept in contact with fellows. I met one fellow outside of a meeting. We still text to this day. We have not seen each other in person more than three times. And I let her know, I, and I'll say, to, I'll say to my fellows, I don't want to eat this meal. I do not want to eat this meal. And I have to then take the next right action, which is to eat that meal. Um, and for a while, those meals were still, like, they were small. They were small. But then as I developed more of a neutrality with food and being in programs, they got a little bit bigger. Um, right now, I still freak out when those meals are too big. But I think that's also part of, that's just part of my brain. That, that is really just part of my brain. And um, again, I go to my sponsor and I go to other fellows for help in just dealing with that part of my brain that obsesses with them. Um, oh. Thank you. Um, and so just be gentle with yourself. Um, yeah, just all I can say is to just be gentle with yourself and keep coming back. And it'll start. It will start. You just keep showing up. <laughs> just just keep coming back and you'll start your abstinence when it's the right time. Yeah. Thank you so much for your share and your lead. Um how have your how has your character defects played out in your activation of step nine? Oh so the question is how have my character defects played out in my activation of step nine? 
Um, for any newcomers or anyone who's not on step nine, don't worry about it yet. <laughs> I loved hearing that in meetings and being like, okay, I'm not going to worry about it yet. Um, it, I, so, it's funny. It, it's funny because I, what really helped me was hearing other people say, in my step nine, I was one of the people I had to forgive. And I was like, oh, oh, I get to do that too? Um, I um, I didn't want. It took me ages. I didn't work on my. I didn't get to my step nine until like year four of being in this program. Um, it did. It took me about it. It, it took me about four and a half years to work all twelve steps. So it took a long time for me to be comfortable with the idea of saying to someone else, "I did this thing that harmed you." And I apologize for it. And I had all these ideas about how it was going to be and what I was going to do based on how other people did their step nine. And then I talked to my sponsor about it. And she's like, you don't have to do it that way. You can do it this way. And she gave me a way of being able to do my step nine. Like, I didn't have to fly to the state to see that person and do it in person. We did it over a Facebook message. And um, that person was kind. Um, but it was really through just working all the steps up to that point. And it took me so long because I really did need to be grounded in a place of gentleness. And I didn't do it before I was ready to be able to do it. Um, and I had a very short step nine list because the actual, the actual action that's probably the most hurtful to people is me keeping myself from people. Um, and the bigger things that I had done, there are only like two of them that I had to make an amends for. Uh, and so it just, it, I, I took the time, it like took the time I needed to be able to just jump into it and do it. And, and, um, that, and during that time, I worked on those character defects of like perfectionism mm-hmm. and wanting to control how someone else saw me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it just took some time. And the last question is, what is, oops, sorry, what do you do on a daily basis for your program? Oh, okay, perfect, good question. What do I do on a daily basis for my program? I, um, every night I email my sponsor a 10th step. I call her every day and leave a three-minute message on the problem and the solution. I also have a sponsee now, so I, I read their 10th step which is really great. I do a lot of talking to my higher power. And it's a lot of ignoring the first thought and going with the second thought. Just a ton. Just a ton. When that is so when that is extremely difficult, I have found in music, I hear my higher power. And it doesn't have to be like specific religious music. It can be any kind of music. And they're just because a lot of music I like are love songs or just things that are inspiring. Um, to connect to my higher power. So I just stay connected to those things that remind me that there is something bigger or that there is something that I am gentle and okay. Uh, and that constantly keeps me connected to my higher power. Mostly, also, sometimes in my anger, I'm connected to my higher power. Higher power, And I'm like, God, did you see that? What was that? <laughs> Come together and really breathe. And what's great, though, is... Yeah, that's just fine. Oh, that's Thank you. Um, 
I'll just cut, wrap up. What's great is after allowing myself that emotion, my recovered thought comes in. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, that person, you're the same. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm.